Hebrews chapter 6. So tonight is a little bit different for us. We have a potluck afterwards, so you might smell some of that food that is um, being kept warm as we speak. And uh, it'll be kind of uh, drifting through uh, as we get closer and closer to that. And so we're going to have a little bit shorter time in here. Um, but that does not make it insignificant. We're not going to rush through what God has for us here, believing that He is here and He's there, and He'll be, you know, He'll be fine in both locations. And so, uh, the next few moments, though, we're going to spend kind of, a, sort of like a, a, a family meeting of sorts. Um, you know, I started a series, uh, I think, two weeks ago on hearing God's voice, and this is not exactly like uh, in a completely different realm. Um, we were seeking to hear God's voice collectively as a congregation, like as a family, just like you are as an individual, and as you are maybe as part of your family. We're always discerning in different environments, trying to really hear what God has for us. And uh, last January, uh, as we do every January, we spent a month praying together and praying for some very specific things. And one of them is that the elders just felt that that God was trying to draw us out in regard to a permanent place to meet. Um, you know, we've been here for a couple of years now. We were on campus for a few years. We were at Parkview for a few years. And um, really just uh, kind of found ourselves as, as elders and probably that as a represent, representation of the larger church. Just really kind of like rolling with the punches, you know, just kind of wherever God wants us to be fine and not being very aggressive in asking Him. And so the elders, uh, as we do every year, sought God's plan for that month of prayer and just felt like he was wanting us to get really bold and to ask. And so part of it was asking for God just to give us a building of our own. Uh, Some of it was asking him to just give us direction and clarity. Some of it was personal. Some of it was corporate. We kind of rotated through some ideas. And at the end of that month, we sent out sort of somewhat of a like a feedback form and just ask people to to share with us some of the things that they were sensing and hearing from God and that kind of stuff. Um, one of the things that has kind of led to this sermon series is is you could just get a sense. Uh, sometimes it was a sense and sometimes it was like just a direct like quote uh, where we're a little hesitant to say, uh, God told me this, you know, uh, I and I understand that label kind of being a struggle. And so that's kind of part of this series where that has come from, is really wanting to develop a confidence in us in being able to discern His voice. But another one of the things that came out of that was, was really kind of a reassessment of what we're doing and how we're doing it as far as our life together as a congregation and um, kind of just reexamining several things that's led to a number of changes. Some of them... You have seen, some of them you have not seen. Some have happened and you just probably wouldn't even notice it, you know, that kind of stuff. But one of the things was changing the name of the church. And that was, uh, that one, it was kind of like a bigger, a little bit bigger thing for some reason, you know. Um, If you know anything about the history of our church, we were a college ministry at Parkview Baptist from 2000, no, 1990, what year is it? Uh, from 1998 until 2006, yeah. And then we planted as a church uh, in 2006. 
And so we kind of transitioned from a college ministry to a church, like a mission church, and then our own church. And as a college ministry, it was called The Ring, and there's a whole story behind that. And then when we went to do the church plant, we felt that there was enough name recognition amongst the like, uh, like Christian presence in the city that we would just keep the name uh, and just make it, instead of like The Ring, uh, you know, the, part, the college ministry of Parkview Baptist, it would be The Ring Community Church. And uh, we just kind of went with that and really felt like that was the plan. And so for 10 years, it'll be 10 years in February, uh, that's how we've existed, and um, that's been great. And, um, but in kind of revisiting some of like the, the hows and the whys and the whats you know, that we do, the name kind of, it just kind of kept coming up. And it's come up over the years at different points. And then really coming out of 30 days was something that the elders, after gathering all that uh, all that feedback, begin to talk more about and pray more about. Um, and at first it was kind of like, uh, like, yeah, you know, one day we probably will, because uh, there's always been the possibility that this church would possibly merge with an older congregation somewhere, and um, that that would become the building that we would sort of inherit, in a sense, and we would join together with them and all get to know each other and probably change the name of both congregations into a, kind of a new thing. Um, Grace did that here. They kept the name the same. Uh, Christ Covenant Church over on Lee Drive, they were, they were Southside Baptists and Cornerstone Chapel, and they merged together, and now they're Christ Covenant Church. And So there was kind of always this like in-the-distance idea that at some point we probably would change the name. And Some people over the years have loved the name. Some people have hated the name. And um, I think all of us are met with a strange look when you tell someone where you go to church. You know, it's not lost on us or whatever. And some of you love that, and some of you don't love that. And, um, I run into that all the time, you know, and so I'm, it's not lost on me, it's, you know, it's fine. Um, but that is not why we are changing the name of the church. Um, we're changing the name of the church because we feel that this is where God is leading us as a congregation. That it is His plan for us, that it is something He has handed down to us. And so this is months and months of praying and talking and praying and talking and so the elders, uh, in, in the feedback that came from the congregation, felt like that was something that was, it was woven in there. You know, We started talking more and, and praying and kind of back and forth in that for a while. And got to the point where we said, okay, name change. Yes, this is, this is what God is communicating to us. And so um, if you've ever like, worked on a group project, sometimes that can be kind of difficult. And so I just told them, like, hey, uh, how about I just start to do some research on church names. And I, I've never really paid attention to this. Um, but let me, let me here's, here's how most churches find their name. Um, most of them are either named uh, from their geographic location. Okay, so it's named after the, the city or the town, you know, the little community that they're in, the neighborhood they're in. So Parkview Baptist, Woodlawn Baptist, those are in those neighborhoods in Baton Rouge. Uh, the chapel on the campus, it's on the campus and it's a chapel, you know. So, that's, so there's like a geographic reason why. Sometimes, um, sometimes it's a denominational thing. So you have First Pres, First Methodist, First Baptist, those kind of things. Sometimes you have a biblical reference. So Bethany, Antioch, like those are churches in town that have a reference to a, a, a biblical location. Um, sometimes you have churches that are just, they do, their names are just cool. That's all there is to it. 
I don't give you an examples of that, but like sometimes you ever see a church name, you're like, that is nothing but cool right there. It doesn't have anything to do with the Bible or where they are in the city or anything. That's just a cool name. Um, there are some churches that do that. Um, and then there are churches whose names are tied to the overall like mission and vision of what they're doing. And so, and, and there are a lot of times there's a mixture of some of those different factors. But when you start to look at church names, a lot of times you can kind of put it in one of those categories, sometimes with some overlap. So for us, we uh, picking a, like a geographic thing wouldn't make any sense because um, we don't all live in the same place, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, and we don't know where we're going to be. So this is our third stop on the journey. So what if there are six more stops ahead of us location-wise? You know, we can't change it every time, right? So geography, that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, denominational uh, tie, we've never wanted to do that, mostly because that is a huge barrier here where we are in Baton Rouge. Uh, when you go south of us, it's, it's very Catholic. You go north of us, it's you know, Protestant. And we're kind of in like those two, we're in like this brackish part of the state, you know. And that becomes one of those things where if, if, if you were ever involved in the BCM at LSU, you probably invited someone to something and they were like, well, I'm not Baptist, why would I go? That happens all over the place in this city. And so from the very beginning, we didn't want Baptist to be in our name, even though we're, we're technically Baptist. Uh, because it's such a dividing thing. So that was kind of off the table. Um, we didn't go with the biblical reference because uh, we really wanted a name that could be easily interpreted, even if you didn't have a knowledge of the Bible. You know, so we didn't want you to have to know Greek or know you know, like the the maps in the back of your Bible. You know, that kind of stuff to know where that was coming from. We just didn't feel like that was something for us. It's fine for other places. It's not a slam on anyone, but just for us, we didn't want to like have something that was like that. Um, as far as the cool factor, we're just not cool, you know? So, uh, I mean, this is a cool, cool room, right? No, it's not. There's no lasers. There's no moving lights. There's no multiple video screens and stuff like that. It's just, so we could have a really cool name, and then people show up here, and they're like, oh, I think I'm in the wrong place, you know? Um, so the cool factor didn't really seem to be consistent with us. And so, so really, that, like, mission and vision idea, that seems like the best fit for us, that we have a name that is consistent with who we are and what we're trying to do. And a name that, that someone who really knows the Bible or someone who's never even seen a Bible could see it and at least get in the right direction as far as like who we are and what we're trying to do in their lives as well. They wouldn't have to be a scholar. They wouldn't have to be a Christian to understand what we're offering as a congregation. Um, you tie this in with, with the fact that our community groups are looking for ways to be more involved in taking the, like making the kingdom really tangible in like their, like the places where you live, right? So we had yesterday, we had one of our groups that went into an apartment complex where one of the, one of the families lives and cooked food and brought it to people and invited them and all this kind of stuff. We, all of our groups are looking for ways to make the kingdom really tangible in Denham and in Zachary and in Central and in Prairieville and in Baton Rouge and um, with that comes, hey, you meet somebody, and they're like, what church are you from? We want to be able to answer that question in a way that kind of lets them know, uh, with, with no point of reference, a little bit in the right direction of what we're talking about. Okay? So, so that's a little bit of the story, and so I did that research, and I started kind of working through what, what to bring to the elders. In my mind, and I think their minds too, I was going to come in with like five or six options, and we would kind of start hacking away on it. 
And I just brought him one option, and I said, look, I'm not saying this is it, but uh, I, I, think, I think this is going to push us in the right direction. And so, you know, I was wide open, you know, I said, we can talk variations on this, we can scrap it all together, but here's, here's what I'm proposing, and this is why, and here's where it comes from. And at first, if you ever think our elders are just a bunch of yes-men, then make a decision like this, and you'll, you'll find out that they're not a bunch of yes-men, that they were, uh, they were interested and eager, but definitely like, okay, I'm going to need to sit with this a little bit more. I'm going to need to hang in there a little bit longer and that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of integrity to the process, I feel like, and it was not quick. It was really, really slow. And so a lot of you probably know that, that uh, Living Hope Fellowship will be our name uh, sometime around our 10th birthday in February. Um, and, and I just want to take a few minutes and, and make sure that all of us know where that's coming from and why. Um, so I brought that to them, and we kind of talked about it, prayed about it, talked about it, prayed about it, spent a while, and then really just felt like God solidifying that and, and stuff for us. So brought it to the family meeting in uh, September, and now just kind of want a like, official, on-the-record, podcast version of where that's come from and why. Um, but I really think it ties well with what we're going to do when we go over there and we eat tonight. Because... This is, a, like, this is a family that God has put together. We're a bunch of kids who have been adopted into the big family of God, and He's pushed us all together into this smaller family in order to do some things. And some of that is what He's doing in us, and some of that is what, what, when we take what He's doing in us and we take it to where we live and where we work and where we hang out, and we take us with, it, with us as we go, and we're constantly gathering together and then scattering out, gathering and scattering out. And within that... Um, there needs to be something uh, that really communicates to our to everywhere that we go who we are and what we're here to do. So, Living Hope Fellowship. I'll take it one one word at a time. I'll start with hope, which might throw you off. I'm gonna go out of order, but it's okay. Um, it'll be fine. Uh, the word hope that was a word that I um, like first really drifted to, uh, and and. In us talking about it, and definitely in my process especially, was, okay, let's say I have no idea who Jesus is, what the Bible says, whatever. Let's say I have no point of reference at all, and I drive by and I see a sign, which we'll get a sign, by the way. I was going to make up some like really terrible fake logo to show you tonight with like Comic Sans font and some sort of like, like clip art something, and like try to convince y'all that that was our new logo, um, but I didn't, so... Just pretend that I did, um, and that you laughed more, more than you just did. Um, but, the, but we'll have a sign you know, that'll be out there and stuff, and there'll be some more of those kind of things happening, and a website and all that stuff. But I try to really think, let's say, let's say I'm, I'm someone who has no point of reference, and I'm driving by, and I look at the sign. And here at this location, you would see two, two words that would stand out. One would be grace, and the other would be hope. You might not define grace and hope in the same way that the Bible does if you have no point of reference. But you, you're pointed in the right direction. Like your life is bottoming out and you drive by and you see a building with a bunch of people and you're like, it's obviously a church building because it has a steeple. And you're like, that's, well, I see grace and I see hope. And whether they come in the morning or they come in the evening, hopefully they're finding those things when they show up. They don't need maps in the back of the Bible. They don't need any of those kind of other things to know, man, I need what they have to offer. So hope, 
I think is one of those key things that the church offers to the world. That I think that hope is, is such a, um, it encapsulates so much of what the gospel is. Um, this confident expectation that he's everything that we need. That everything is going to be okay because of who he is. And because of that he's at work among us. Um, I, you're in Hebrews chapter 6. Look at verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. Okay, so the argument being made here is that, you know, you might hear someone that will say, you know, um, you know, I swear on, on the lives of my children. You know, you always go to something that's greater to try and guarantee that what you're saying is accurate. So what's being said here is that God can't like outgrate himself. There's nothing that's greater than that. And so he made a promise and he and he swore by his own name. He put his own name on the promises of the covenant. So all this is this whole passage is dealing with the fact that that God has said uh, certain things to us, that he has made promises to us to n- never leave us or forsake us, that Jesus is everything that we need, that he is the Redeemer, he is the Savior, that everything is going to be fine because of who he is, and he is with us, and he has guaranteed all these promises uh, of, our, of our past being dealt with and our present being, like he's meeting us in the present, and our future being guaranteed for eternity all these things, all these promises, he's guaranteed by his own name. Because there's no one greater than him, nothing, no thing greater than him for him to swear by. Verse 15, And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Okay? So, because God has made this promise and has guaranteed it, the promise made to Abraham, really this is saying like God, when he says he's going to do something, he absolutely does it every single time. And when he's made a promise to you, you are the heirs of that promise coming true. It's like someone who's made out a will and says when they pass away, you get all these things. And it's legal and it's binding. And so God has made this promise to us that we are heirs of, of everything that he will obtain in his victory. And he will keep his covenant promises to us. And look at that last part of verse 18. That we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 19 is really a, it's a massive truth. We have this The promise is made and the promise is guaranteed. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. We sing about it a lot. We sing songs that that talk about even when the waters rise. And what's the next part? And the mountains crumble. Mountains crumble. 
I will what? Call on the name of the Lord. We sing about him being a, a cornerstone. And, and these hymns that have been written for years about the faithfulness of God and the fact that he always keeps his promises and all these kind of things. All of this, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, is supposed to serve as an anchor. An anchor that, that goes all the way to the bedrock of the ocean. And so that whatever is going on and is bringing our way, we're anchored to something that's greater than that. So as rough as our circumstances get, as weird as our feelings are about things that we're facing, we're anchored into something that's greater. The fact that God has made you a promise that everything is going to be okay. And even if your circumstances don't change, and even if your feelings never get better, you're still going to be okay. Because your circumstances are temporary, and your feelings are temporary. And our lives here on this earth are temporary. That we're a part of a greater promise. And there are times when that's really all that you have to hold on to. Is that one day everything's going to be great. And even if it's never great this side of heaven, it's going to be amazing the other side of heaven. And that makes it worth it. Now that's a confusing thing sometimes. And definitely I think you have to, you have, to have a, a relationship with the Lord that's, that's intact and growing and stuff to really understand that. So you wouldn't just like spout that off to anyone. But that's hope in Christ right there. And what we offer to the world is where that hope is found, that God has made a promise, and that promise is available to everyone. And so if someone drives by and they see that, and they don't have any relationship with the Lord, and they come in the doors of this church, hopefully that's what they're going to find. And the smiles, and the handshakes, and the introductions, and the songs, and the sermon, and the scriptures, and the whole experience, they hopefully are seeing like, man... There is hope, even though I feel that all hope is gone. Hope is there. My soul can be anchored into something that's greater than what I'm feeling and what I'm sensing all around me. And that's what we want to hold out to everyone. Whether they're coming in these doors, whether they're in the neighborhoods where you live, whether it's the people that you work with, the campus that you're on, whatever, whatever that might be, that we're constantly offering people hope that they can become more than they are now. That they are meant to live for more than all this kind of stuff. And that the way things look and the way that we feel, they're, they're not trustworthy. That God has made a promise to us. And if they will, um, if they will grab onto that, They will let him into their lives. They can be anchored to something that's greater. And so not only are we holding that out to everyone around us, every time we come together, we're we're needing to be reminded of that as well. Because if you're a part of this congregation, the same thing goes for you. And you might be in this place tonight facing something, and you're like, man, I'm near the hopeless point, or I'm at the hopeless point, or I'm barreling towards that. He's made you a promise. He's made me a promise. He's guaranteed that promise. If we'll recognize, hey, there's an anchor that's pulling our souls down deep into the bedrock of those promises. And yeah, you know, the water will get crazy and all those kind of things that we want to like, like really like sing about and declare, all those things are true. We'll all experience it. So not only, are, not only are we holding out hope to the world around us, we're holding out hope to each other. He's holding out hope to us. That's part of what we're doing in this family. And so hopefully hope 
is, is a part of what you take away. It's a part of what like, it means when you really think about what, what kind of impact these relationships have on, on me when I come and go. What do I walk away with on Sundays or on community group nights or just when you bump into someone? Are we having that kind of interaction with each other? I hope so. And so hope... Hope in Baton Rouge, hope in Denham, hope in Central, hope in Zachary, hope in Prairieville, hope in Baton Rouge. We're bringing it to them. We, ought to, we need to be. We're, I think that we are. We're going to keep trying to get better and better at that. Hope for marriages and friendships and families and finances and jobs and circumstances and addiction and healing and reconciliation and restoration and everything you can possibly think of. Just the fact that there is hope. So hopefully that, uh, hopefully, I get it. Ideally, hopefully, that describes who we are and what we're trying to do. And so that was the first word that I went to. Is this like, yeah, I think, I don't think you have to have a pinpoint point of reference to be able to understand hope. I need that, you know. So kind of went from there. So I was like, you know, Hope Church, Hope Community Church, Hope Methodist Church. I don't know. It's kind of went, went through different things. And then this, this idea, though, that, that it's not just hope. Because like, a lot of what I describe, those promises and those kind of things, that's, that's awesome. But, but our hope is not just in the promises, because the promises have been fulfilled by a person. Our hope is not in ideas. Our hope is in Jesus himself. And so that's where the living, the living part comes from. Because the person who's driving by and sees hope, they might just think like, yeah, man, I need to cross my fingers and like try harder. I, need, I have some positive thinking. That's what I need to do. I need to make a pros and cons list and focus more on the pros and the cons. That's not the hope that we're offering. The hope that we're offering is like this living, breathing, feeling, hurting, grieving, crying, celebrating uh, kind of hope because that's who Jesus is. That this hope is alive. And sometimes we feel like, like when you feel like you're hopeless, it, uh, another way of saying that is that like, hope is, is dead. And so it's not just any old hope, it's a living hope. It lives and breathes. First Peter 1, verse 3. We'll put it up on the screen. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, our hope is alive because Jesus is alive. And at the end of it, like that, that is like the overall, like the trumping argument over your circumstances, over your feelings, over your pros and cons list where the cons are a lot you know, longer than the pros, all those kind of things. Your hope is alive because Jesus is alive. You are not hopeless. If Jesus was still dead, then we would, okay, then your hope is dead. But because Jesus is alive, your hope is alive. So as bad as things may get, you're never hopeless. Because we don't just offer 
worldly hope, we offer Jesus. And because he lives, you can face it, right? Because he's alive, everything really is going to be fine. A lot of voices out there offer hope in different forms and different ways. What we offer is different. And can you imagine if that was like if that was a really like a really really strong belief among us all the time? Like if we walk through just whatever life brings our way. And like that song said, when the waters really are rising and the mountains are crumbling, that we're like, yeah, you know, today, this is really hard and I'm crying a lot these days and I'm struggling. However, Jesus is alive, so my hope is alive. I know, I know where I'm anchored. Can you imagine a, a family who just like lived there and stayed there? And their abiding lives corporately was like immovable in those things. Well, guess what? That's who he's making us into. You realize that we're facing things today as a congregation, just, with, just knowing what people are going through across the board. We're facing things today, and we're handling it with greater hope than we did five years ago or ten years ago. And you may not see that. It may, my like, perspective is just different because I kind of, you know, maybe this is, whatever. But he's developing us into the kind of people who live that way. Who have this real, this real deep understanding that because he's alive, everything is going to be okay. And then there are times when something happens and you kind of struggle and then you bring people in on it and they breathe that life into you, you know. They hold out that living hope to you and you're like, oh wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you find true north again and then you're back on it. And that's why we're constantly encouraging people to not live in the shadows. You know, don't hide. Bring people into your life. Get in, a, get in a community group where you're able to like share things with each other. That's why we push each other to talk about like our relationship with the Lord and the things we're praying about and the battles that we're going through and the people that we're caring for outside of that room. And we're constantly trying to live out in the open together because that living hope is like what we're offering to one another as well as the people outside. And he's developing us into a more steady family that just deals with their stuff. We deal with it one-on-one with the Lord. We deal with it, hopefully, around your dinner table as a family. We deal with it as community groups. We deal with it as a big congregation. And everywhere in between, we're dealing with our stuff. That's who he's making us into. And so in some ways, I feel like living hope describes us now because he's making us into that but also, it describes who we're hoping to continue to become more and more and more. That at year 15, we're even more mature. And at year 20, we're even more mature. That these kids come up in this, in this kind of like, life where like, they get to points where we are now, and then they're, just, and they're so much far, farther down the road than we are in their maturity and their understanding of things. The things we freaked out about at age 25, they won't freak out about at age 25. All those kinds of things. So this is not just about who we are now. A lot of it is about who we want to become. So we offer hope to the world around us, to one another, because Jesus offers us that hope. And it's not just any hope. It's hope that is living and breathing because it is a person. (laughs) 
Okay, last thing. That's cool. Um, last one. So fellowship, this one is the one that probably gets the most like, huh? Kind of reaction. Um, and there's like, that's fine. You know, there are, there are not a ton of churches, at least in our city, that have fellowship as a part of their name. And I think there's probably an assumption that, it, that community church would, would continue on. But there's a reason, there's a very good reason why it doesn't. Because if you look at a map at where we live, like pick, whose community are we going to pick? You know? The reason why we have groups in Zachary and Central and Denham and Prairieville and Baton Rouge is because we're scattered out in that kind of way. That's where we live. But not only do we live in different places, we also work in different places. And not only do we live in different places than we work, but we also kind of hang out in different places as well. We're kind of always going. It's a commuter. Uh, like the greater Baton Rouge area is full of commuters. That's why our traffic is so awesome, you know. Because we're always driving places. We're always doing that. And so to be a community church is not consistent with who we are. It is consistent if we're talking about trying to reach the community, but which community? All of our communities. And so that name is just, it just didn't seem to fit us. Maybe like it did 10 years ago. Or maybe like we were hoping that it would. You know? um, a lot of churches, you know, it's like, well, yeah, they, they're reaching that same community because they all live in that community. Well, this isn't Mayberry. You know, like this is not that way here. It's a different kind of thing. And so... Um, there are different possibilities, and so I was just kind of looking in at, again at other things, and I went to Acts two forty two, which we use a lot here, and just out of curiosity, was looking at the the word fellowship that's used in that verse. Um, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, uh, the fellowship. Uh, wait, bring, breaking of bread and the prayers. That word fellowship was something I kind of zeroed in on, and there are churches that are that have that in their name, and. I just thought that was kind of interesting. And so that word fellowship shows up in the New Testament. Let me tell you what it, what it means. It can mean fellowship. All right? it can also, it's also used to mean partnership, participation, sharing, taking part, and contribution. Fellowship, partnership, participation, sharing, taking part, contribution. When I read that, I was like, man, that, that sure sounds like us. That we're sharing life together. That we're contributing, that we're taking part, that we're, um, we're participating, we're partnering. We're coming together on Sundays, and then we're scattering back out to where we live. And then we're going different places to work, and we're going back to where we live, and then we're getting in community groups, and we're going back to where we live, and then we're hanging out somewhere else, and we're going here and going there and going and going and going. And then we're back together on a Sunday, and we do it all over again. And what are we doing? We're partnering together, right? We have these, this offering deal. We're all chipping our money in to take care of kids in India, to take care of missionaries that are on the field, to... Um, to take care of your, like the staff here, to um, do breakfast in the park, uh, to meet needs as they come up, to help people get the, the help that they need. We're sharing our gifts. We're working together. We're serving um, within your community group. You're sharing. You're partnering. You're uh, 
taking care of one another. You're doing the things that you're naturally good at with your personality and your experiences and your gifts and all the way that he's made you and you're within that group and then all the groups come together and then this shared experience, we're way more of a fellowship than we are a community church or a Baptist church or just a church. That we're a fellowship of people who don't live in the same place, who don't work in the same place, who don't bump into each other at Walmart all the time, but yet we come together and in a, in a way that maybe, maybe is best articulated by the priestly blessing at the end of the service, we all put our hands in the middle, you know? We're like, all right. I don't know what we say on three, but we say something on three and it's awesome. And then we go. And we need something, there's a network, there's a fellowship that we draw from. We help each other and we encourage each other and we spur one another on and Collectively, we're, we're holding out hope to each other and to the world around us and our communities. A hope that is alive. And we're working to do it together. To grow deeper here. To take it where we go to work and play and live. And that we're doing that in rhythm together over and over and over again. And one day Jesus is going to come back and all those promises are going to take on a whole new group of meaning. But until then, that's what we're doing. So even something like a potluck shows the fact that we're a fellowship. And so we believe that Living Hope Fellowship looks like us and looks like who he's making us into. And it looks like what we're trying to do together to take to the world. Now certainly you've probably never analyzed a church name more than you are in this moment. You know, I get that. And at some point it'll become real natural. And I don't think we'll always be, I don't think in our like, you know, Normal interactions. Whoever says the full name of the church, you know. So I'm sure we'll be, you know, probably Living Hope will be something that will just begin, become more normal. and We'll do a whole website branding thing and all that stuff will come. But to me, the most important thing is that we understand what we're doing and who we are and why we're doing it and what we're going for as an outpost of the kingdom of God in this city, that's a very important thing. That we get on board with that. And so that's where things are headed, and that's why. I hope that makes sense, and if you have any questions, any of the elders would be more than happy to answer it. And I'll probably explain a little more in more detail than maybe you needed, but um, I want us to be informed. Probably if we did a straw poll, uh, I don't think that would work here, but if we did a survey... we probably don't know what the ring even means. So hopefully, Living Hope Fellowship, even to us, <laughs> is a little more easy to understand and to get on board with and to dig into because this is a part of who He's made us. All right, so let's stand together and we're just gonna we're gonna sing a little bit just to kind of close things out before we go and share a meal together. Lord God, we, um, we acknowledge the fact that, uh, that you have planted this church, you know, like you started this a long time ago, and that you are at work among us, that you lead us with great precision, corporately, just like you do individually. 
And God, I pray that this really isn't about a name change. I pray that it's about uh, us recognizing who you have made us. And that flows from who you are. And so when it goes from who you are to who we are, and we take that into the world around us, I ask that, God, you just help keep shaping our corporate identity as your church. We talk a lot about individual identity and being saints and not sinners, and how you have exchanged this new life in us, and that you live in us, we are in you, and the vine, the branches, and that kind of stuff. But those branches are all grouped up together. But you would help us to keep understanding more and more that our faith, yes, it's individual, but it's also corporate. And both carry a ton of significance. That we live and work and hang out and play and just surrounded by people who need a steadfast anchor for their souls that is alive and living, uh, living with them and in them. And that we are the fellowship that you have sent out into the world to join with all the other fellowships around us so that our, just the greater Baton Rouge area would know. And so, Lord, before we go and eat and share this meal... pray that you just help us to sing as a family and to recognize what you're doing among us, that we would keep pressing into that.